And welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Kuehl Show. I am your host today, the insider of the insiders, Tyler Kuehl. And ladies and gentlemen, yes, another Monday show here on March the 15th. Big show today because why, folks? Because once again, I'm not the only one here. Well, not here. I mean here in the studio. But I'm not the only one here yimmer yammering about all the best and brightest. That is the lovely sport we like to call hockey because... We got a guest coming on here in just a little bit at the bottom of the first hour here of TKS here today. We're going to be talking a little college puck today. I know, not the return of the college hockey scoreboard, unfortunately. Didn't have a whole lot of time to do that, but we're going to get into a lot of college hockey today because postseason hockey is well underway because 6.30 here. We're going to have Gabriella Fundero coming on from the Ice Garden of SB Nation to be talking about the NCAA Women's Hockey Tournament coming up here in just a little bit. Because it already started actually already today, quarterfinals today, semifinals coming up this weekend, all sorts of cool stuff coming up here. It's going to be great. ESPN's actually going to have the event live, the championship and semifinals it is. Right now they're doing the live streams for the quarterfinals here. We'll break down all the matchups, recap the first one today between Northeastern and Robert Morris, the Huskies, the number one team of the nation, and showing it a 5-1 win over the Colonels in the quarterfinals. We'll talk about with that, with all that, with Gabriella here coming up in about uh, 25-plus minutes and so here on TKS. A lot of other stuff here to get to here on 12-Ounce Sports today, which you're watching us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Zingo TV, Channel 761. If you want to do that, Zingo TV, check it out. Channel 761. Use the promo code 12OUNCE. That's 1, 2, O, and Z or Z for you improper English users to check it out on 12OUNCE Sports. Of course, you can always catch it. If you can't watch the entire episode today, say you got to duck out after that awesome interview we do with Fundero later. That's okay. Make sure you check out the replay tomorrow on the Tequila Show YouTube channel. Or if you'd rather just listen on your drive to work or you're in the office or you just, you know, prefer to listen to this weird, somewhat okay voice of mine check it out on your favorite podcatcher spotify google podcast apple podcast uh iheart radio i don't know there's other ones too that i'm pretty sure i'm forgetting but we're on all of them here on the kula show so check those out and of course we must before we go too far we must talk about our awesome sponsors including my bookie.ag guess what guys the college basketball tournament is just not too long from now in fact it's starting up here soon everyone's like get out there Get out your start go out and gambling. Make sure you do that by using the promo code 12 ounce sports to sign up for free win and get paid on my bookie.ag. Make sure you go on there and check it out. You win a lot of money, obviously. I have not picked my bracket yet because, well, I'm a A, I'm lazy. B, I, I don't know who I want to pick. I did see there's a match between Baylor and Hartford. Always pick the low seed, the 16 seed. Why, kids? Because guess what? You bet five bucks on the losing horse, the 300 to one odd horse, and guess what you win? You win a crap ton of money if you bet cheap on the biggest loser. Because you know how much you actually have to bet to actually win when you're going, when you're betting on the, the horse that's the five to two or the two to five odds or the five, like two to one odds, the one that's a for sure win. You know how much that sucks actually trying to, how much you have to pay to actually make money off that? It's ridiculous. So therefore, you bet 10 bucks on the cheap one. Yeah, you're right. I know what the point spread is on Hartford. It ain't pretty, Hartford Baylor. I'll put five bucks down at Hartford. Why? Because they somehow pull up the dumb upset. You know what's going to happen? They're going to win. Now, I know there's a lot of people yelling for Yammer about that both Illinois and Michigan are one seeds, but I don't care. Big Ten's good this year. At least that's what Thomas Biondo told me because I'll be honest, I've watched a couple Michigan games this year. Whenever I do watch them, they lose. So I probably won't watch a whole lot of Michigan this year. 
based on that fact alone. So make sure you go on mybookie.ag. If you want to win, get paid using mybookie.ag. And as always, Second String Leather Company up in the corner. Second String Leather on my laptop. I'm even wearing Second String Leather shirt here today. Make sure you go on there because guess what, guys? Their pillows are back in stock. Oh, yeah, you know those cool ones with the masks on them? The American mask, the Canadian mask, the Chris Osgood helmet mask. Yeah, that's all on there. SecondStringLeather.com, hashtag crafted from the crease. Also got the great deal still going on the wallets. Get on there and get some cool stuff from SecondStringLeatherCompany.com. And, of course, though, if you ever want to get some cool TKS swag, check it out, Teespring.com. That's where you can find your official Cool Show merchandise, Teespring.com slash stores slash the dash cool dash show i'm putting the actual you know the actual web address in there of course if you're watching the replay or listening to it it's in the description check it out guys just hit teespring.com just click the link you don't have to spell it out i have to spell it out for you because obviously if you're listening or just watching and you're not quite sure what is going on i must remind you that so go on there teespring.com slash store slash the dash cool dash show and get your awesome tks swag that you see me wear quite often i don't think i've worn the sweater on the show yet Mainly because I'm actually in shorts today. It's about uh, it's mid-30s outside right now. It's about 1 or 2 degrees Celsius out here in West Michigan now. I know a lot of our folks out west are having a heck of a day with snow and stuff. We'll get to why that's affecting hockey here in just a little bit. But I said a lot to get to today. Not just talking with Gabriela Fendero coming up later on in the show. We're also going to talk about the big ESPN deal here in just a moment. ESPN signing a seven-year contract with the National Hockey League. We'll also be talking about the some of the news and notes, including why the weather is affecting out west. We'll also talk about why trade the trade deadline this year could either be really dead or really interesting. Probably both, let's be honest, because it may be so dead. We'll get to why that could be the case this year. Obviously, the pandemic has something to do with that. COVID, it's a wonderful thing, and it's still here, too. Be sure to check that. That'll be later on, probably an hour or two. And also, we'll be discussing the North Division. Oh my goodness, the North Division. I talk about it all the time. I'm talking about not this year, guys. We'll talk a little bit about it because we're going to talk about Joey Decord getting the win last night over the Maple Leafs, but we're talking about the future of the North Division. What does that mean? Are we going to have it for long? Is it just this year? Or because there's some teams up in Canada that are like, this is pretty neat, guys. Let's keep it around. So we'll talk about that later on in the show as well. Like I said, a little over 20 minutes now, we'll be chatting with none other than... Gabriella Fundero of the Ice Garden. We're going to be chatting about all sorts of awesome stuff, including college hockey. Mainly just college hockey, because that's hence the reason why. Because it's starting today, the Women's Hockey Tournament. Like I said, that's come up at the bottom of the hour here on this edition of TKS here on 12 Ounce Sports. As you notice, I am looking a little to the right, or well, to my right, to your left if you're watching on the camera, because we have a couple of men's tournament games going on right now, semifinal action. NCHC Frozen Four face-off semifinal going on right now. The first of two today, Minnesota Duluth and St. Cloud State right now. They're in the third period. Huskies leading the Bulldogs by a score of 3-2. to two. Just kind of tune that in here, and the Bulldogs trying to find a way to come back. Huskies looking to meet either the winner of Denver or North Dakota. That's an 8.30 puck drop Eastern time for that game. Or actually, 8.30 local time, so 9.30 puck drop here tonight. I believe that's the right time. Nonetheless... It'll be later today for those that are paying attention. Um, we'll get to the whole breakdown because also we probably will flip over to Penn State, Wisconsin, which the third period should be starting up here in that game here in just a little bit. That's 1-1 between the Badgers and the Nittany Lions in the first of two Big Ten semifinals today. The other one coming up later, 
Michigan versus Minnesota. You know the one we talked about, Pat Micheletti, the two teams that'll be there in the final? Well, that may not be the case, but they're in the semifinal. We'll talk about those a little bit later on. So let's get into the business of ESPN. Now, I'm trying to think here. I I remember the, uh, was it the first or second Angry August episode that we did was NBC, where I pretty much, the word attacked is a good word, where I literally went after and broke down every part of NHL's coverage on NBC Sports and tore it apart. (laughs) And this would have been the summer of 2018, so almost three years ago. And I remember when I did it, and I look back on it, a lot of it still holds true. I... I'm trying to think of there were a couple. I still like, you know, I went after Pierre, Eddie Olchek. My well, Mike Milbury was one I still remember. And I can pretty much if I play that back, everyone's gonna be like, Yeah, Mike Milbury's a jackass. Well, that's true, because as we have learned, hence why they no longer have Mike Milbury on their coverage, hence why I, I think it still holds up and holds true today. So, but I I during that rant, which probably lasted a good 45 minutes, because that was the point of the show, the angry August that we didn't get to do this past year. People are like, what do you mean, Angry August? You guys didn't do that this year. Yes, because the playoffs were going on. We were getting angry about the playoffs. This summer, we'll probably have Angry August again. We'll be sure to get Alex back for those because it's better to have two people yelling and screaming about something in August. The reason why we did Angry August was because we were so just fed up with the fact that there was no hockey being played that we decided to yell about something, which in that case was NBC. We also have done Gary Bettman, NHL ratings, shootouts, all sorts of sort of things. It it gets really fuddy-duddy sometimes. So the ESPN deal is the kind of the, the brief breakdown of it. Elliot Friedman, good buddy Fried, said for seven years, uh, it's about $420 million is what it's looking at. Pretty big cash if you're thinking about it. It's, it's really incredible to know that there, despite the pandemic, despite all that is going on, that they are willing to spend that much money is ESPN. Now, it's it's exciting, no question about it, because I, I don't think anybody is. How do I say this? I I don't think people are as excited as some are. Some are like, oh, well, this is another TV deal. You know, is it really going to work? Is it going to get lost in the shuffle? Well, the big part is the fact that the NHL needs to get back on ESPN. The NBC coverage, while it has been good at times, there is no sports center or sports center equivalent on NBC Sports Network, which, by the way, end of 2021, na 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 na, hey, hey, goodbye. Pretty much everything get pushed over onto that Peacock streaming channel they got going now which is fine because obviously, but they have ESPN plus, but yeah, that's the thing, but there's no sports centric network that the NHL would have to would be allowed to be on coming into the next season. So now you're going to be able to be featured on ESPN because let's be honest, folks, for those that are old enough to remember. So I'm going to pretty much say if you were born before to born before 2000, if you were born before 2000, I, I will say this. It's incredible to think that the NHL used to be featured all the time. All the time. On ESPN. Sports, like, I used to be able to watch SportsCenter. I'd get up in the morning, 
through elementary school because, you know, 04 was the last year. I'd wake up in the morning. Dad would have sports center on. I'd be able to watch in-depth hockey highlights, NHL highlights, because kids, they actually broke games down. Now, yes, there was Barry Melrose and Steve Levy, and they did have NHL tonight with John Butchergross, and that's great and all, but there was a, an, a substantial amount of coverage being given. Not like it is today where it's, all right, we got the Caps now. They're just hit the ice here. And here's the goal by Alexander Ovechkin and Caps win 3-2. What else happened? Well, here's the little brief stat line here for you. That's Ovechkin summoned goal of the year. Yeah, but you're going to talk about how Bastrom had three points in that game? Ah, no, it's not Alex Ovechkin. Now, ESPN has put the pressure on themselves to provide that in-depth coverage. Nicholas Backstrom had three points in that game last night. One of them came on the power play. Now he leads all forwards in power play points this season. They have to, they have to elaborate. They have to extenuate. They have to really give more to covering the game now. Which brings me to the point that I think a lot of people were really questioning when they first heard this deal. Even though it was inevitable after NBC announced that they were going to get rid of NBC Sports Network. Because I said, I'm like, listen, ESPN is going to be it. It was going to be ESPN. I don't think anyone had any possible queries that ESPN was going to get the TV deal, the big TV deal, as we've learned, it's called the A package deal following the end of this season. Because for since the lockout in 0405, who has had the deal? The NBC Sports. NBC Sports has had the exclusive rights to the National Hockey League for now the part of, what, 16 years. It'll be almost 16 years, obviously. So we'll say over 15. But this now gives ESPN, of the seven-year deal, four Stanley Cups. I don't think they specified which years yet. I'm not quite sure on that. However, they do have the opportunity now to cover four Cups, which means that there's openings for three. And the NHL, let me pull back up my details here for you. 25 regular season games on ESPN or ABC. ESPN or ABC. That is not meaning ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU. No, ESPN, the big network, and ABC, the national network. Remember those Sunday afternoon games? People are like, oh, what do you mean Sunday afternoon games? There's having on NBC right now, the game of the week. Guys, there used to be multiple games on ABC, regional games on ABC on Sundays. John Saunders would be in the studio, the late John Saunders, Western Michigan guy, by the way. He would get, he would you know break it down. Here's the pregame show. Here's what the games we got today. And then go out to Gary Thorne and Bill Clement and be doing one game. Steve Levy and Darren Payne doing another. And that's what they do every Sunday. NHL Sunday, presented by Nextel, because for some reason, Nextel for like the last three years had the, the sponsorship rights for the NHL broadcast. And like, so that's that's a big part for getting them on ABC. By the way, hot take here. I know everyone loves the NHL on ESPN theme. I like the NHL on ABC theme better or more. I like it more, maybe. Maybe I'm in the minority with that, guys, but I love it. I loved the theme more. I don't know what it is. Um. Rando just said, this channel is now part of the Maryland County Bobcats. Please exit the stream so we can come in. <laughs> You're going to have to wait there, Rando. you have to wait a little bit because we got a lot to get to today here on TKS. The Vermilion County Bobcats, by the way, hope I say that right. 
Uh, it's a new team in the Southern Professional Hockey League. So if you actually tune in, stay tuned after the show ends today, 8.30. Talking Myers with the Rando. He'll be talking about the Vermilion County Bobcats, the newest team, which is down in Danville, Illinois. Danville, the former home of the Danville Dashers of the Federal, Profes- Federal Prospects Hockey League. Excuse me. Check that out. It's going to be interesting because, hey, look it up. They're moving up in the world there at the David S. Palmer Arena. I know that because I played there a few times. So I am lost my train of thought. There we go. Back to ESPN. So more on the story for Stanley Cup Finals, like we said, on ABC as well. That's another kicker, too, on ABC. Do you think they can get Kiefer Sutherland to come back and do the intros? Remember how they used to do those? The, it was the, you know, the black and said, game one in the Stanley Cup Finals, narrated by Kiefer Sutherland. The Stanley Cup. And he just comes in and just completely just gets y'all fired up because it's Kiefer Sutherland. Uh, so another one also, more than 1,000 games per season streamed on ESPN+. ESPN+, and Hulu become home to 75 ESPN-produced exclusive telecasts per season. So what we're saying is 25 regular season games and then how they have it now, ESPN+, Plus, the deal that they have, where they broadcast at least one or two games a night, now you're going to have it more frequently, and you're also going to have ESPN Plus broadcast. So if you're so here's the example for you. you. Some of you may not watch it, even though you're kind of remember we had Steve Babarakis on, the assistant commissioner of the ECAC. ECAC has a deal with ESPN to stream their games on ESPN Plus. So you're going to be able to catch all. I mean, you're able to watch all the ECAC games, both men's and women's, right now on ESPN Plus. It's awesome. That's what the NHL is going to do. It's going to be an ESPN broadcast of NHL hockey on ESPN+, Plus, which is why it's such a big deal. That's why Hulu is making a big deal about it, because Hulu has live sports and all, also other stuff as well. I like this deal because now you're able to, because Hulu actually just recently, like has ESPN Plus on Hulu. And by that, I mean like you can click Hulu. And if you have the Hulu Live TV, ESPN Plus, Disney Plus package, you can click ESPN Plus directly from the Hulu app. It makes it a lot, a lot, a lot easier because the fancy, awesome TV we have in our living room, the 58-incher, does not have the ESPN app nor the NBC Sports app or the NHL app. So I'm able to watch ESPN Plus now when I just click the Hulu app that's on the TV because it's a smart TV. We're smart. We got smart TV. And I, I really enjoy the fact that I'm able to do that now. So now you're going to be able to just click Hulu and, you know, you click, let's see what's going on live sports. Bam, NHL, you got Tampa versus Florida. Big game. Well, it is this season, especially with the way the Florida Panthers are playing. Huh? It's great. And Bob Barofsky is actually playing okay, but it's Chris Drieger. Chris Drieger for Chris Drieger for Vesna. Him versus Joey Decord for the Vesna Trophy this year, guys. Calling it. But I just, I like the fact now because this is going to give the NHL more exposure that they want because, yes, I know NBC they, they broadcast at every playoff game. And I, and I get that. I understand that. However, they're not ESPN. They're not clicking the morning. I right, click SportsCenter. All right, what do we got here? All right. LeBron James Hines puts up 33 on the Pistons last night. That's great. All right, what do we got here? Oh, NHL. Okay, let's, what do we got going on here? We got Boston versus New Jersey. What's so exciting about this? Oh, that's a pretty good play. What is that, Nikita Gusev? Is he a Russian? Oh, that was a pretty good play he made there. Boston, Brad Marsh. Oh, my gosh, he speared a guy. How could... Okay, I'm just... Now, yes, that may be stereotyping Brad Marsh, but you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm getting, guys. 
the fact is that people that may not be hockey fans now or may not be NHL fans now, they're like, there was a lot of people that came out and said, oh, man, when ESPN made the announcement, man, it would matter if it was a real sport and all these people have basketball like in their emoticons or in their profile pics. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I didn't respond to any of it because, listen, it's this, it's the tale old story. Oh, my gosh, hockey's not a real sport. Gay basketball. Now, basketball in the 90s, basketball in the 80s, when it was actually a contact sport, I'll believe it. Oh, we got a chance here for the Bulldogs trying to tie the game here in the third period. Ooh, throw it out in front, but David Aranek knocks it away. David David Aranek, who is, a couple years ago, was the NCHA goaltender of the year by far, and St. Cloud State did that thing where they blow it in the playoffs. They're good in the NCHA tournament, or the St. Cloud State Huskies, but they always find a way to mess it up when it comes tournament time, which does start next week the NCAA men's tournament. Like I said, here in a few minutes, we'll be having Gabriella, Gabriella Fundaro. I, I had to make sure I said her name right because it, it does look like Fundaro, but it's Fundaro. She said it doesn't matter to her, but I'm like, no, it matters. Fundaro, <laughs> Gabriella Fundaro. We're going to be talking about the women's tournament here in just about a little over seven minutes here on TKS. But back to ESPN. The, the fact of the matter is, is that they're only getting, that's the A package, like I said. Because that's what I think everyone kind of looked at. was like, wow, four Stanley Cups out of seven years. That means there's three available. And that's part of the contract. Now, I don't know if before there's a B package signer, this is what it's being called. I don't know if that's a possibility where the NHL says, hey, we want to have, you know, ESPN, you want to take the final three, take them all, just get the exclusive rights. I don't know if that'll happen or if that's possible with their contract that they signed. Obviously, it's going to have to up the money. But that's as we can tell what we learned. ESPN's only willing to spend what they already paid for, already put the, you know, the signature on the dotted line. So what does that mean for everything else? Like this B package, the word is that they're asking for, they want to get it up words near $600 million total for the entire package for the A plus B package. So if, if the number is 420, they're looking to get, I guess the word is I've heard a hundred million dollars. Obviously, that's a little bit less than what the NHL wants. So if you want to get up to, you know, 200, you have to get like 150, 180 million dollars. Now, like I said, the number has not been released as of yet. Yeah, but what does this mean? Who can, who is in the running? Obviously, NBC can still go for it if they want to. They could still have the NBC game of the week. Take the Stanley Cup finals games because ESPN, it's not like NBC can take the the all-star games. ESPN has those rights. They got that. That's in their deal. They get the all-star skills comp and the all-star games. Remember how it used to be, though, in the 90s, back when NHL and Fox really hit it big in the late 90s? It was the, at least for a few years, it was the ESPN coverage for the skills competition. Gary Thorne, Bill Clement, Brian Engblom, Darren Pang, probably a couple of names here and there. And then the game, the all-star game, was on Fox which was a pretty big deal, at least for a few years. I'm not sure if it was every year. Obviously not 95, which was NHL and Fox's first year, but the 97 was, I forgot where 96 was at. 96, oh, 96 was in, um, yeah, 96 was Fox because 96 was at the Fleet Center, and that was when Ray Bork scored the game winner for the Eastern Conference. And I remember that because, how do I remember that it was Fox? Because the Fox tracks puck, the, the globe puck, yes, that was there. And I'm pretty sure my dad somewhere still has the tape for the 98 game in Vancouver. Remember when Mark Messier used to get cheered in Vancouver <laughs> back in the day. So 
it's interesting. I'd like to see Fox be the team to go after it, though, be the group to go after it. And I initially thought because, hey, Fox, because they have all the Fox Sports networks. Well, Fox Sports Network, the regional networks, are actually owned by Sinclair Broadcasting, which for a lot of folks that maybe not know, it's the majority of the CBS local networks that you have. So here in West Michigan, down in Kalamazoo, it's News uh, Channel 3. Most of those are owned by Sinclair. And I guess, I forget what the company that's going to change it to. I think it's like something Victory something or other. It's a gambling network that they're going to be changing the networks to the name of. But Fox could be a big one, obviously, because Fox had the big game. But the point that I was listening to 31 Thoughts last week, why NBC still may be the team to get that game or get the V package if they want to go after it, if the NHL can find a deal with them, is the fact that Fox and ESPN have hockey on January 1st. Now, why is that a big deal? Because the Winter Classic, historically, the majority of it has been on January 1st. Now, the only thing you could possibly look at is if one of these networks, if ESPN takes the Winter Classic or, say, Fox comes in and buys the B package, is that you do move it to a different date. And some people, a lot of people have come out on social media and said, hey, you know, we're okay with if we just do it for the one day or if we change the date, you know, January 2nd. And some people are like, no, it's got to be January 1st. It's got to be a holiday. Because especially if you want, because in Canada, I guess it's not as big, because obviously in Canada, you know, there's no bowl season to worry about, and because, you know, you have your college, you have your Canadian college football, but typically the season ends, I think, in late November. So you don't have that, you know, Christmas, post-Christmas, you know, that typically that's, of course, saved for World Juniors. So I think that's why I think people would be okay in Canada, why, or be okay in Canada if the Winter Classic got moved to January 2nd or January 3rd. Or, in other words, a non-college football Big Bowl day or the college football playoff day or whatever that may be. So, Ball Sports Network, same ball as the Abs Arena. What did I say, Ball Sports Network? Oh, that's what it's being called. Okay, Ball Sports Network. Thank you very much, Rando, for chiming in there. That's what the Fox Sports Networks are going to be called. I I didn't exactly hear when that was going to take place, but it's going to be soon, is according to good buddy Fridge. And so... Regardless, but a lot of people in the States are like, oh my goodness, it's got to be on January 1st. It's a big deal. You know, you kind of wake up from your New Year's hangover or whatever have you, and then you watch the Winter Classic. And granted, yes, because I think the only one that was not on January 1st, to my memory, I could be wrong here, was 2012, Philly and the Rangers, because that was the January 1st was on a Sunday during the NFL season still. So NBC and NHL realized we're going to have no ratings on that day. But you're going up against college football. You're going up against the NFL. We're going to lose. So they moved it to January 2nd. The Monday got better ratings. So it'll be interesting to see who takes it over, who goes after it. But we're just going to have to wait and see. So what we're going to do now, though, folks, we're going to take a quick break. When we're going to come back, we're going to talk some college puck, not just what's going on the TV. By the way, Huskies still lead the Bulldogs. St. Cloud State over Minnesota Duluth, 3-2. to two. Under eight to play, but look out here. We got a breakaway for the Bulldogs. He's in on goal and a big save made by David Hranek with the right pad, keeping his team out in front. However, a penalty to the Huskies will send the Bulldogs to the power play late in the third. Okay, sorry about that. Anyways, after my little play-by-play rant, we'll come back with Gabriella Fundero to talk about the NCAA Women's Hockey Tournament, talk about the first game that happened today, Northeastern over Robert Morris, and preview the rest of the tournament. We'll be back with that and more here on The Cool Show right after this. And welcome back to the Cule Show, everyone, here on 12 Ounce Sports, here on this Monday, March the 15th. 
You know, it's that time of year, guys. And I'm not talking about just the fact that it's the time of year because, oh, hey, March, it's spring is close and the birds are chirping. I mean, we're going to have probably have snow tonight in Denver also is about 10 feet of snow under. But it's time for the winter sports in college to have their championships now, including college hockey. Like we talked about, we got St. Cloud State and Minnesota Duluth right now on the screen. Penn State's leading Wisconsin right now, looking to pull off an upset in the Big Ten semis. But what also is in the middle of right now is the NCAA Women's Hockey Tournament. Now, why is that a big deal? Because it is. Because women's hockey, we love talking about on this show. The NWHL, PWPHA, PWHPA, excuse me. And now we're going to get into the college women's game today. But I need some help, though, because I can't do this alone. It's never a, it's never a solo show or a solo job to promote the very underdeserving and very under, I guess, underappreciated. Just the sport that needs more coverage, that deserves more coverage. That's more like it. So with that said, we are to be joined now by one of the writers from the Ice Garden on SB Nation. She covers the college hockey scene, college women's hockey scene for the Ice Garden. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Gabriella Fundero. Gabriella, how are we doing today? I'm doing great, Tyler. How are you doing? I am doing swell. It's it's that time of year. College hockey tournaments are in full swing, and we're getting ready. We're at getting ready. We're in the middle of the NCAA women's hockey tournament. That's got to be somewhat exciting, right? It's super, super exciting. Um, always love this time of year, I think. With the way that things ended last year in women's college hockey especially, um, it's 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 really great to just be back having NCAA tournament action. I mean, um, I mean, ended. I mean, it didn't. It, it never ended. It just exactly. kind of stopped, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yep. So, I know that was heartbreaking for the teams that were involved. It was heartbreaking, um, you know, just being a fan of the sport. So, um, and as as challenging and up and down as this year has been, I think we're all kind of excited that we're we're here now at the with the tournament and um, hopefully going to crown a champion again for the first time in two years. Oh, I'm, I'm hoping so. And it's, it's really exciting too, Gabrielle. And correct me if I'm wrong on this. Isn't this the first year that the semifinals and finals are going to be on ESPN family networks? If I'm not mistaken. Yes, it should be. Um, yeah, it, it definitely the first time in a very long time. If, if ever, um, I know big 10 network has had on the TV rights in the past, but this is the first time that it will be on ESPN as far as I remember. So very exciting for, for the sport. ESPNU on Saturday, by the way, the national championship game yet to be determined because, well, we are not quite there yet. We're only starting the quarterfinals today. Matchup coming on later tonight, seven o'clock puck drop Colgate in Minnesota Duluth four versus five tomorrow, Ohio state and Boston college and Wisconsin versus Providence. But we've already had one game today and an outcome that a lot of us kind of probably expected, Gabriella, Northeastern, the number one team coming into the tournament, dominant as all get out, 21-1 and one on the season, knocking off Robert Morris 5-1 to one today. I mean, it was, I don't want to say it was old hat or pretty much expected, but Skylar Fontaine, two goals and an assist. Alina Mueller, a goal and an assist. Chloe Oren, a goal and an assist. I mean, this was kind of, was this expected almost out of the Huskies, the way they played this year? Yeah, I, I would say so. Um, I think it was a, a good matchup for them. Robert Morris certainly gave them a good test um, for the first half of the game. Um, definitely not a game that they could just, you know, walk into and expect to win, um, you know, without without putting forth the effort needed for an NCAA tournament game. Um, Reagan Kirk was great in goal for, for the Colonials. But eventually, um, as you mentioned, there's just so many weapons that Northeastern has, so many elite players. Um and by the end of the game, they kind of just had their say. And I think it was impressive, too, um, 
Northeastern also is a team that can just roll right over pretty much anyone with their depth. And I think we saw that later on in the game as well um, with Katie Cipra chipping in with a goal um, who technically plays on their fourth line, but is a pretty skilled player in her own right. So it's pretty much the way that the Huskies have, have been beating teams all year. Yeah, they're, they are. And I, I, lo- I remember I looked up the numbers before going into the game and I'm just like, man, this team is really good. I mean, this is the third straight hockey East or fourth straight, excuse me, hockey East championship for the Huskies. They're only the third team to do it. The other being Boston university and New Hampshire. They're both, I mean, they're, it's an incredible feat to win the regular season and the tournament title. Cause that hockey East, despite, you know, we'll get to Boston college here in a little bit, but it's a pretty tough conference, both on the men's and the women's side as well. Yeah, for sure. I think um, Northeastern's rise over the last four years has been pretty cool to see. Um, in the women's game, we there's definitely more parity now than there has ever been, but um, that's always something that I kind of look for just as someone, you know, who's kind of a fan of the game and of seeing seeing the best hockey possible. Um, so four years ago, it was super exciting for them, I think, to win their first hockey championship. And now, of course, they're, they're somewhat of a dynasty already, um, which feels kind of weird saying since this is um, – this is their first Frozen Four appearance, or at least it will be, but um, kind of through no fault of their own based on the way that things ended last year. Yeah, and it's it's tough because that was, I think, one thing that everyone was excited about. I was supposed to do the, one of the club college tournaments for the ACHA, and everything just kind of got turned loose. And, of course, there's all the documentaries that we're seeing as of late regarding just, you know, the you know people are like, oh, you know, certain teams and how they found out about the news. And because mm-hmm. there were a lot of good teams going into it last year. And unfortunately, Robert Morris is not going to be moving on, though. But, you know, for me, I thought the saving the one saving grace heading into that game, I thought maybe they could win it. She made 41 saves. And, and that's the, their goaltender, Reagan Kirk, who had the fourth best save percentage in the country. 945. I mean, it that was going to be the, the only reason why the Colonels were going to win this one. Right, Gab? Yeah, she was definitely, I would say, reason number one. Um, if they were going to win, she she would have needed to play super well, and and she did, of course. Um, you know, they have some they have some good, experienced veteran players as well. Um, I think Emily Curlett, their their top defender, also had a really excellent game. But as just as far as being able to slow down that offense, um, we kind of knew she was going to have a busy day, and I think I think she really she stood tall in that. Um, there's just only so much you can do when you have the talent that the Northeastern does, um, especially when, you know, they're getting these breaks in transition. Um, there's just only so much that a goaltender can do. Exactly. I, I trust me for myself. I can tell you right now, stopping 55, 60 shots a game. Eventually you're going to allow a few to go in. Obviously Northeastern ended up getting 46 shots on goal and they're five to one victory, but obviously a tough one though for Robert Morris, but Northeastern moving on, they will be playing, are they, they're going to reseed right after the quarterfinals. They're not just going to go um, one versus four or five. They'll they'll reseed based on who wins, right? I think it actually might be a straight bracket across. Oh, okay. Um, so I think they would get the four or five winner. I'm not 100 percent sure on that, but I think that is how the NCAA typically does it. Well, let's um, we'll just have to wait and see because that'll be Colgate versus Minnesota Duluth. Now this one is a little bit of a stunner for me because I really thought Clarkson was going to be the team to beat this year without all the Ivy League teams in there because, let's be honest, Cornell was still prepared to tear through the ECAC like they did last year. But Colgate is the team that breaks through. They went 15-6-1, and 
They don't have the biggest top-end scorers that some of the other teams have, but they do have Daniel Serdakny, 21 points, tied for 12th in the country. You have Kalti. Oh, boy, I'm going to say this name wrong. I tried to look it up earlier, but Kalti Kaltinkova? Kaltinkova. Mm-hmm, yes. I said that right? I think so. She's uh, having a pretty good freshman year for them, for sure. Oh, rookie. Rookie. I mean, I don't know if she's going to be the rookie of the year for the AC, but she's definitely staked her claim why she should be the case. 18 points tied for fifth in the conference. And they have a really good goaltender as well, Kale Osborne, who is, you know, 14 wins tied for third in the country. 174 goals against average. The numbers are there for her as well. What made Colgate the dominant team this year in the ECAC to, you know, I mean, of course, they played St. Lawrence, who I believe stunned Clarkson in the tournament. You know, what made Colgate the dominant team in the ECAC and why they're in the tournament? Yeah, so as you mentioned, Tyler, um, this is a super interesting and I think overall challenging year for the ECAC teams that did play, Um, especially for for Colgate and Clarkson both. um, They ended up playing a ton of games against each other this year. Um, which I think anyone will kind of tell you it's it's really hard to play the same team that many times. Um, I just think like matchup wise, you know, they're kind of learning your tendencies and things like that. Um, so those teams are, I would say, pretty evenly matched for most of the year. I, I would definitely give Colgate the edge. Um, but as you mentioned, when St. Lawrence um, started playing over the second half of the year, they were kind of able to, to shut Clarkson down, which kind of swung things a little bit in that conference. Um, but as far as the Raiders, they are they do have some some really strong talent, I think. But what's really impressed me most about them this year is just their their balance that they have um, on you know all four lines, all all their deep pairings. Um, they're a little bit northeastern esque in that sense, I would say. Um, not quite the exact same level of elite talent, but I do like their their top end players for sure. Um, and I think that they just do a good job of kind of of playing a really strong, like a fast paced kind of team style. Um, and everyone ca- kind of contributes to that no matter, you know, how many points they have on the score sheet. It's like every player on the ice for them is kind of able to contribute to um, what they're trying to execute. So I think that's been important for them. Yeah, the Raiders, and the men's team too has been pretty good in their own right. They're gearing up, I believe, for the – for the men's side of the ECAC, they'll be taking on St. Lawrence on Thursday. So maybe, my goodness, we talked about how good Cornell was last year with both men's and women's. Maybe Colgate will be able to do the dominant ECAC men's and women's side this year. We'll have to wait and see. But they are taking a Minnesota Duluth team that lost in the WCHA semis to Ohio State, who is the number three team in the tournament. And they went 11-6. and six. You know, another team that you know had a couple of high-end scores, uh, Anna Klein, Anna Klein and Gabby Hughes each having 21 points, both tied for fourth in the WCHA, tied for 12th in the country in points. But the Bulldogs, I think it'll be another thing with their goaltending. Emma Soderberg, only 11 wins. She played in every game for the Bulldogs this year, but she had a 1-6-1 goals against average, which was eighth in the country. Five shutouts on the air, which was tied for second. I mean, this is a 4-5 matchup, but I don't know who you can really say who is the better team, just based on the fact that Colgate probably got the number four seed because they won the ECAC championship. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, a pretty fair assessment, Tyler. That's kind of my feelings on on the game as well. Um, I think it's exciting this year, um, especially with you know getting so many of these non-conference matchups in the first round of the tournament. That's always something that they kind of strive for. But I think it's just um, it just adds an extra layer of intrigue this year since we've had so few of them. So it's a little bit difficult to say, you know, right off the bat on paper how these two teams will kind of stack up against each other. Um, but I do, I like Duluth's chances. I think, uh, I know there was some controversy as far as, you know, Duluth making the tournament, um, Minnesota missing it. 
Um, not even that you would necessarily pit those teams in a head-to-head against each other, but um, I think that Duluth definitely deserves to be here based on the talent that they have and some of the results they got. Um, and we'll, we'll see if they can kind of pull off, I guess, what would be considered an upset. But to me, it's a little bit more evenly matched than that. I, I agree with you there. And so looking at this matchup, you have the Raiders who are maybe not, I mean, two teams that don't have the superstar talent. I mean, they both have star players, both have star players that can really be game changers. But the different part is that it's a lot more evenly matched in terms of, you know, each team has a lot of depth scoring and both have two very capable goaltenders. Who do you think is the team that can pull out this win today and move on to the semis? Yeah, so I guess if I if I if I have to make a call, I would honestly tilt the scales in Duluth's favor right now. Um, I, I really like Colgate. I think they play an excellent team game and they do have some really talented players, but I really think that Gabby Hughes is, is a super special player. Um, she's a top line center for the Bulldogs. Um, I think, you know, just kind of looking at, at every player that's going to be playing tonight, I think she, she to me is the best one on the ice. Um, I just think like a player like that just has so much value in games like this. Um, Certainly Colgate will kind of have their hands full with trying to keep her off the board and, and keep her from making too much of a difference. But she's a super fun player to watch. Um, highly, highly skilled, kind of tends to score in bunches. So um, I think that she she in her own right, you know, if everything else is kind of evenly matched and, and just left up the chance, I think she's the kind of player that can really break through for the Bulldogs and give them the edge. Do you think I and I, I hate to say this because I love watching the ECAC. Then again, I get to watch a lot of it because I have ESPN plus. But is it just because this season in particular, because there are only four teams that, you know, it was a little bit easier for the Raiders to win this year because they're one of the four. And then they're going up against a team in the WCHA that had the majority of the programs playing this year. Do you think that kind of hinders the Raiders? Oh, that's a that's a good question. You know, I think in a, in a normal season, I guess if you want to call it where everyone is playing, I really think that the ECAC is right up there now with with the WCHA. Um, they just have so many good teams in that conference, um, and it's kind of a gauntlet to, to run through the regular season for them. Now, Colgate hasn't necessarily had to do that this year with Cornell and Princeton both sitting out. Um, but those games against Clarkson, I mean, I know Clarkson's like end of year record doesn't look the greatest with them finishing under 500, but, um, they're still a strong team, lots of top end talent. And I think that the Raiders are, you know, they're kind of used to, to playing those matchups and handling, handling those top players. So, you know, I'm talking about Gabby Hughes and how, how great she is, but you know, the Raiders have had to play Elizabeth Jaguar, I think 10 times this year, and she is last year's Patty Kazmaier winner. So they're certainly used to handling or facing off against, you know, those top players and, and trying to limit them as much as possible. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that Clarkson learned a little bit this year too. And even on the men's side is that even though you may have the best player in the conference, that does not necessarily mean that the rest of the team will follow suit. And that's a bummer. Cause is Jaguar, was this her senior year or is this her junior year? I forget. Yeah. This would be her senior year. Oh, that's a bummer. Cause I, she had a really good, they, she had an incredible year last year, but talking about back to the Bulldogs, the team that they lost to in the tournament, but lost in the WCHA final to Wisconsin. It's Ohio state 12 and six. This year they are Tatum Skaggs, 17 points tied for eighth in WCHA. This is a different team in compared to the other two WCHA teams. Really not many high end scores on the national rankings, but once again, scoring by committee, Jennifer Gardner, Emma Malte, 15 points in their own right, time for 11th in the conference. A solid goaltender in Andrea Brindelli, but I 
I, man, for me, the goaltending may be the, the hard part for the Buckeyes in this one, even though Andrews played well over the last couple of games and in the tournament going up against the Boston College team. But why are the Buckeyes so highly regarded going into the tournament? Yeah, I think the Buckeyes are, they've been a strong team now for a few years. Um, it's really hard in the, in the WCHA to kind of unseat best teams but I think they've obviously proven um with winning last year's championship and kind of getting back into the championship game against this year that that they are that team um they're certainly one of the top teams in the country um to me they're a team that does everything kind of well they're um they've had some adjustments on the back end they lost a great great player in Jin C. Dunn especially um but I think the rest of their decor has really stepped up this year um Sophie Jakes has been has been really strong for them um and then their top two forwards, like their one-two punch, I think is is pretty is is it's as good as anyone's. I would say on their best day, um, maybe other than than Northeastern's, but they those two can certainly hang with anyone. Um, I just think that they're a team that, like you mentioned, they kind of get contributions throughout their lineup. Um, they're another team. That, <clears throat> there might not be like one thing that stands out that's super super well, or you know that they or lead in compared to other teams, but they're certainly an elite team all around. Yeah. And I think that's the big thing too, is that they're in especially got to be a resilient team too. the team that they're taking on the number six seed, Boston college. And I see their regular season record. And I see one thing I see 14 and four, then they lose to UConn in the hockey East quarterfinals. And then some people say, because Minnesota, we talked about Minnesota again, the Gophers, since they made it to the semis in the WCHA, they should be the team that should have been in the tournament, not Boston College. And to which I say, do we want to have five WCHA teams in an eight seed or an eight team tournament? I, I, I don't want to say that's to be the reason why Boston College over Minnesota, but do you believe Boston College deserves to be here based on their regular season numbers? Yeah, I think, um, you know, they're a team that kind of took care of their schedule for sure. Um, the, the early playoff exit definitely hurts them a little bit just as far as, you know, the overall strength of this team, kind of looking at them from an outsider perspective. Um, but it was a little bit different this year in Hockey East. Um, I believe they're a conference that normally plays a best of three quarterfinal series. Um, and obviously switching to single elimination this year, you know, anything can really happen there. Right. Um, but yeah, I think, I think BC does deserve to be in the field for sure. They, they kind of, they took care of their schedule as mentioned. Um, they're able to pull off a win against Northeastern, which was, which was huge for them. Um, I definitely, I, I do have Ohio state favorite in this game. I just think they've been the more consistent team all year, but um, there are definitely some good players on that BC roster. And as they've proven with that win against Northeastern, they are more than capable of hanging in with the best teams in the country. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Abigail Levy will probably be, you know, we talked about how good, uh, key was for Robert Morris. Levy's going to be great as well. She had an, also had a 945 save percentage going six and three, though. I mean, she didn't play as many games as Boston College kind of ran the splits a little bit on the goaltenders. But like I said, it, it's looking like Ohio State may be the favorite team, despite Boston College having the better regular season record in Hockey East. And before we break down the last matchup here, I guess may as well ask you that, Gabriella. A lot of people, there's consistent argument in the men's game of, which is the best conference? Oh, it's the Big Ten because they got the elite seven teams. and They're always top 20. But, oh, but Hockey East has got the tradition. But the NCHC has got North Dakota and Denver and whatnot. In the women's side, it's, I don't want to say because maybe it's because there's less conferences, but it seems a lot tighter of an argument. What would you say is the best conference 
and women's D1 right now? Yeah, I think right now it's it's a toss-up between the WCHA and the ECAC. Um, a few years ago, I would have said the WCHA um, pretty handily. Not that they're like so far ahead of everyone else anymore, but um, their top teams are just always so good. And the way that their scheduling is, like you're playing four games against against each team. So, for example, you know if you're not Wisconsin, Minnesota, or Ohio State, you're playing basically 12 games a year against those teams in a normal year. So. I think that just makes it so much tougher um, for that conference. And then the ECAC, um, their top eight teams, because it's obviously a bigger conference, as you know, um, on the men's side as well, but their top eight is just so strong, um, especially last year. It was it was quite a gauntlet, as I mentioned before. Um, and I think the depth of the ECAC and then just like the top talent of the WCHA and really all throughout um, their league just makes them the top two in my eyes. Yeah, no, no question about it. It's it's looking very good, and that and that's the best part too, because we actually had Steve Babarakis, the one of the the assistant commissioner for the ECAC on earlier on this season, right before, right as they announced that they were coming back, and we discussed it a lot, and we we talked about how good the conference is, even when they lost, you know. I don't want to say Princeton because Princeton only won two games uh, during the 1920 season, but they, you know, you have Cornell and you have Clarkson and you have Quinnipiac. There's so many good teams in that conference, both on the men's and women's side as well. The last matchup here, WCHA versus Hockey East, number two, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, by the way, the men's team is still losing right now to Penn State in their semifinal matchup in the Big Ten. But Wisconsin, the WCHA this year, regular season champs, tournament champs, their fifth championship in seven years. Mark Johnson's still coaching that team, right? Yeah, he's still coaching, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mark yep, Johnson. Absolutely. Mark Johnson behind the bench, the legendary Mark Johnson. The Herb Brooks of Wisconsin hockey. I'm pretty sure like, wait a second. We can't compare Minnesota to Wisconsin. Listen, we're gonna do it here, folks. But the the team went 14-3 and one. We talked about tournament champs. I mean, Daryl Watts, 33 points, second in the nation, first in goals with 17. Sophie Shirley tied for eighth. Pettit with 19 points. Kennedy Blair, one of the best goaltenders in the country as well. I, I don't want to give it to North or Providence, say it's over yet, but boy, the Friars look like they have their hands full in this one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think uh, this matchup will will likely be just as tough for the Friars as the Northeastern matchup was for, for Robert Morris. Um, Providence is definitely a team that they do have, they have some skill throughout their lineup. Um, and they, you know, they made it all the way to the Hockey East Championship game, but just, you know, looking kind of at these two teams on paper, Again, knowing it's hard to compare cross conferences this year, I think that this is pretty heavily in Wisconsin's favor. Um, and just the adversity that they had kind of gone through um, to win both of those championships, as you mentioned, um, I think always helps the team this time of year. Um, they they had to come up with big against Duluth in the final weekend of the regular season to be able to win that trophy. And then um, same thing against Ohio State last weekend with the win in overtime. So I think they're a pretty well-seasoned bunch. Um, obviously their talent is elite and I think it's really going to give them the edge here over Providence. Yeah. You're Sandra Absher here too. Her numbers, despite her fifth and wins in the country with 12, it helps when you play every single game. I guess that's one thing I noticed too, is that the best teams, they don't really have, they don't really play two goaltenders. <laughs> they'll, they'll just ride one goaltender through the season. And now granted I say that, but I've watched the WCHA, the men's side, you know, I covered a little bit for Ferris state this year and we saw Dryden McKay have one of the greatest seasons in the history of time. So I guess I guess I can see why you've run with one goaltender 
But you know, you're, you say Wisconsin and you're looking at Ohio State. Is there a possibility here? If the if Minnesota is able to win today, like you said, you're favoring them to win here as they start here in just a few minutes, puck drop and over in Erie. Is there a possibility that the Frozen Four in women's hockey is going to have four represent or three of the four representatives from the WCHA? Is that a really great possibility? Yeah, I would say so. Um, I think, you know, kind of as we mentioned, like Wisconsin and Ohio State to me, um, have a little bit of stronger arguments on their side, um, really, which is really no discredit to the Bulldogs, but I just think Colgate is is one of the stronger teams this year. Um, so that'll be probably a little bit of a tougher matchup for them. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Um, we could definitely see those three teams making it to the Frozen Four. I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm trying to do it off the top of my head. I'm trying to sound smart. I'm, when was the last time there was an all-WCHA final? Was it, mm. it wasn't 19. It was, oh, it's going to hurt my brain now. Because it seems like it Are, happens quite frequently in, in the men's side. We're like two NCHE teams nowadays. There used to be two Hockey East teams back in the day as well. Gosh, when was it? Um, yeah, the women's side, we don't typically even get um, four WCHA teams ever in the tournament. So True, right. Um, that's always, that makes it a little bit tricky. Um, I'm, I can't think if there's a time when we've ever had three. But Minnesota and Wisconsin are there pretty frequently themselves. Yeah. Because this was the first since, what, 2007 that Minnesota's not in it? Or some, it was a really long time. Yeah, that sounds – yeah, I think that's correct. Um, yeah. I think it's the first time under Brad Frost that they haven't made the tournament. Gosh. what a, I will say this. Everyone's like, oh, but they got to make it. I'm like, listen, the fact that they made it, what would that be, 14 consecutive – well – Obviously, last year, but they've 13 of 14 consecutive tournaments. That's still a very impressive feat. And, you know, all good things got to come to an end eventually. And and that's been, I guess, you know, whenever someone says, who is the best team in women's hockey right now? You can pretty much take a solid guess and say either Wisconsin or Minnesota in most years. And obviously, Northeastern over the past few years have really shown their stuff. So, but that I guess that's one thing is that for, I don't want to say it forever, but for the longest time, it's been one of those two teams that have always been in the championship conversation. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, they, they are typically teams that are, that advance to the frozen four. Um, it's pretty rare. I think for them to get matched up each, against each other, um, in the first round, I know that did happen. Um, I think it was three years ago now when Minnesota actually needed to, to earn an auto bid to get into the tournament and they um, had to play the first round against Wisconsin. But usually those teams are ranked so highly that they're, um, they're both host teams for the quarterfinals. And, you know, as long as they win those games, then they're both playing in the frozen four. Exactly. It'll be interesting. So I, you know, it's tough because like I said, we're about moments away from puck drop between the Bulldogs and the Raiders tomorrow. Buckeyes taking on the number six Eagles, Providence, Wisconsin, that one seems a little bit more for sure. But is there a team right now? I mean, who was your preseason or preseason pre-tournament prediction? I don't want to say preseason prediction because I don't even want to say my NHL prediction because I guarantee you I'm wrong. Who is who is your out of the teams remaining? Northeastern obviously moving on, but then you have you talked about the powerful Wisconsin and a pretty good team in Colgate, but Minnesota Duluth's really good as well. Who do you think of the remaining teams is going to be the one that hoists the trophy and says, we are the champions at the end of all this on Saturday? Well, Tyler, I think it's going to be Northeastern. Um, I've had them number one, actually, I think pretty much all season this year. I think they were my preseason number one, and I'm, I'm sticking with them. I think that they've proven um, this whole year that they are an elite team. Um, they've handled pretty much everything thrown their way. 
Um, I think just even the way that they were able to kind of pull away in the game today is just really exemplary of how nothing really seems to phase them. Um, and I know this is true as well for Wisconsin and Ohio State, but I think it is a big factor the way that things ended last year for that group specifically. Um, even going back to, to last spring, like I just was kind of blown away with with some of the comments that I was reading from players in that program and just how much more appreciative um, it kind of made them of being able to even play hockey and play together. And I think that, um, like I said, the same is definitely true for the other teams that that made the tournament last year and had it canceled. But um, for Northeastern, I think they just, you know, it's hard to say without being around every single one of these teams, but just from the stuff that I'm seeing, I think they seem to really have that like special it factor as a team on top of, you know, the elite talent, um, the depth and, and everything else that you kind of need to win. It would definitely be interesting to be a number one going number one all the way through Northeastern. Hopefully they're not like their Husky counterparts in St. Cloud where they just seem to flame out at some point during the tournament. But at least, you know what? Here's the difference between St. Cloud State and Northeastern. Northeastern actually won a game in the tournament, whereas the St. Cloud men seem to always lose in the first round. So, hey, they're already doing one better than their other Huskies. One of the, if I'm not, I'm going to say off the top of my head, I'm going to be probably wrong here. One of probably seven Huskies in NCAA Division I hockey. I'm probably wrong because I'm, well, I know there's two in there's hockey. There's quite a few of them, so not a bad guess. Well, there's UConn and Northeastern in because when I was doing my reports for the hockey writers, my college hockey reports, it was a pain when Northeastern played UConn because you only could say the school name. You couldn't say the Huskies because you didn't know which one it was. <laughs> like, I need at least some of these some of these schools need to get creative. Like, just revamp their names just so they can be somewhat different. I mean, I, everyone's everyone's a Tiger, everyone's a Bulldog, everyone's a Husky. There's only one Wolverines that's here in Michigan. Well, pardon me, division one that I know of that are Wolverines, but someone come up with something like if, all right, on the spot here, Miss Fundero, if you were to create a college team or a pro team, what would you give it the nickname of something unique, something you would think that no one else would ever think of? Oh man. On the spot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not the most creative person, but I am going to go with a red panda. They are currently my favorite animal. So I feel like. It's a pretty original answer, and I'm going to stick with them. There you go. Change it up, UConn. The UConn Red Pandas. There we are. I saw them at the Toronto Zoo once, believe it or not. And let me tell you, they're just like, they're, they're pretty much, I don't want to say glorified raccoons, but they really <laughs> like to go after the trash. So I'm going to go with, you can't call it, you can't call a team Trash Pandas. It's a great beer league name, but you can't call a college program the UConn Trash Pandas. That probably wouldn't work out too well. We have been chatting with Gabriella Fundero. Gabriella, awesome coverage for the Ice Garden on SB Nation. Keep it up. We'll definitely be keeping tabs on you there to get your awesome updates. Thursday, the semifinals, Northeastern will supposedly play either the winner of the Colgate-Minnesota-Duluth game and then Ohio State versus Boston College tomorrow and then Providence. No, yeah, that's the night game. Providence taking on Wisconsin. That's the 2 o'clock game. All of them on NCAA website ncla.com the live stream there and then on thursday one of the finals on espn3 one's on espnu they haven't specified which one yet but the final on saturday will be on espnu so check it out gabriella thank you so much for taking the time today go ahead and enjoy and watch the colgate minnesota duluth game we certainly will as well barring any other connection issues that we have here in the studio today but thank you once again for taking the time yeah, thanks so much for having me on, Tyler. I really appreciate it. Be sure to follow her at Gab Fun on Twitter and follow the Ice Garden at the Ice Garden on Twitter as well. Gabrielle, you have a wonderful night, all right? Thanks. You too. Take care. That was Gabriella Fundero from Ice Garden SB Nation. Get on there. Check them out. They are awesome. 
We're going to take a quick break here, folks, because we're still having connection issues for some dumb reason. We're going to try to figure them out here before we get too much further into the show. We are still recording, so if there was glitches during that interview, I do apologize, but it'll be on the replay tomorrow and, of course, your favorite podcatcher as well on the Cubal Show. So we'll take a quick break, folks. When we come back, more hockey coverage, including some talk about some injuries, some weather, and trades? Question mark. We'll have to see if there's going to be any. We'll talk about that more when we come back here on the Cubal Show. And, uh, well, welcome back, everyone, here to the Kewl Show. So, it's weird that I'm saying this now, because what I'm going to say here in a second will just completely make no sense for it. So, we are recording right now. So, everything that happened before that last break was all live on 12 on Sports. However, we just had the, we, uh, I I don't know. (laughs) I honestly don't know what happened here, kids. So, the internet completely went out of whack. And unfortunately, we were able to get through the interview there with Gabriela Fondero. But obviously, if you're watching now, it means you're watching the replay on the QL Show uh, channel, the QL Show YouTube channel, or your favorite podcatcher if you're listening. Of course, if you're listening the entire time, you're just like, well, yeah, Tyler, of course, it's not live. We're listening to it later. Okay, I, I understand, guys. So that said, we're going to move along here. It's a little after 7.13 right now, which stinks because we thought we were going to get some live breaking news today, but we didn't. So... We're going to stick with this here on on the Kula Show YouTube channel. I can't say 12-ounce sports. I mean, I can. The first half of it was on 12-ounce sports. Now it's nothing. I, I We were able to plug through it with Gabriella, but I, I do apologize. But like I said, if you're watching the replay right now, you're just like, what the heck? Well, yeah, Tyler, we saw the whole interview. It was great. It was awesome. What's wrong with it? Well, nothing's wrong with it right now. But regardless, let's go. Let's chug it on back here. I'm so... If you're just joining us, I'm going to say right now the scores of the game, and it's not really going to matter because you're like, of course, Tyler, we know the scores of this game because it's already over. Well, St. Cloud State ended up holding on. They beat Minnesota Duluth. They will play the winner of North Dakota and Denver for the NCHC championship. I'm flipping back over to the Big Ten Network now because Penn State and Wisconsin are in overtime. Wisconsin came back to tie that game. They're trying to punch their ticket to the Big Ten championship, which will be tomorrow. They'll take on the winner of Michigan and Ohio State. So... Yeah, so we're we're not live anymore, so I don't even know why I'm even... I don't say not why I'm not even trying to do this. I know what I'm doing, but... So I, I'll i tell you what exactly is happening right now in terms of the games, but I can't tell... Obviously, when I say North Dakota-Denver, you'll know the result by tomorrow. Michigan versus Minnesota, you'll know what'll happen tomorrow. But I can still give you more stuff. So let's just quick run through the tournaments, the men's tournaments, that is. Because as of all we know right now, when I'm recording this, the the Cornell-Minnesota-Duluth women's game had just wrapped up. The We're going to catch the end of the, or the beginning of the Michigan-Ohio, or Michigan-Ohio State, Michigan-Minnesota game. Michigan had to get over Ohio State to get to this point in the tournament yesterday. So we're going to click on to the, I think we're going to get up the Big Ten Network game. Excuse me, sorry. I had to burp there for a second. So anyways, men's tournaments. Here is what we got going right now. We talked about the Big Ten already. Hockey East. Excuse me. Semifinals on Wednesday. So by that point, I can say it now because you'll obviously know about it because, hey, I can watch these games tomorrow. UMass Lowell versus Boston College. Now, Boston College, one of the top teams in the country going up against UMass Lowell, who somehow made their way 
into the semifinals. UMass Lowell, a team that seemingly couldn't get a game in this season, all of a sudden is able to pull off a stunner, and boom, they're into the fi- the semifinal. That'll be an interesting matchup. I got BC in that one because Boston College is just so deep this year. Spencer Knight, the goaltender, and they have the offensive attack. Everything they got going is in the right direction for that team. Providence, UMass, that'll be an interesting one. Providence, you know, they've they've been up and down this year. UMass has been one of the hottest teams in college hockey. I got the Minutemen in that one. Minutemen versus BC in the final will be really, a really good matchup, I believe. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. I'm not going to make a pick yet because I guarantee you I'm going to be wrong because somehow if UMass Lowell can get to the semifinals, why can't they make it all the way to the final? So we'll have to keep an eye on that. WCHA finals or semifinals start Friday. Minnesota State taking on number eight, Northern Michigan. Northern Michigan, a team that seemingly couldn't beat anyone but Ferris State for the first half of the season. That'll be an interesting mark to watch out for. I mean, the Mavericks, I think, are just too deep. They'll probably handle Northern Michigan, but it's just it's the fact that Northern Michigan was able to get there. And we do have a final. I just missed it. But Wisconsin is able to pull it out over Penn State. They win the number one seed, stay number one, going into the final now. They'll be playing the winner of Michigan, Minnesota, which puck drop, at least while we're recording this, is about 18 minutes away from that one. So regardless, Mavericks over Wildcats easily in that one. Bemidji State versus Lake State. Lake State right now top, I think, number 11 in the country according to the latest rankings. But the Beavers have really come on strong. They they were another team that had so many COVID issues at the beginning of the season. They seemed like they could never get a game in. Uh, they played their first game of the season, and then all of a sudden, they they played their first game of the season, and they had to wait like three or four weeks. So they had to like almost restart entirely. So... Uh, now I wonder if if they'll be able to continue that push. Lake State's a very deep team. They have a really good goaltender and Merrick Mittens, and they have certainly the offensive talent. I don't know if – I mean, Zach Driscoll will have to play fantastic. He's done that so many times throughout his career, so I'm not going to say no to him. But in terms of that matchup, I, I'd like to think that, you know, Minnesota State and it'll be – I think it'll be Minnesota State-Bemidji. And that's a matchup that has seemingly been – just a tight battle over the past couple of years as they're showing the goal back. Oh, don't tell me Caulfield. Yep, Caulfield with the game winner. What a shocker, kids. Cole Caulfield with the game-winning goal in overtime. What a shocker. Atlantic Hockey, the semifinals are on Friday. AIC versus Niagara. I'm not saying that's a shoe in Niagara's been very pesky this year, but AIC just seems way too deep. Canisius versus Army. Brian Riley, we see you. Guest of the show, TKS. Friend of the show, Brian Riley. Taking his Black Knights all the way to the semis in Atlantic hockey. They, they were, that's not a surprise to me at all. This was a very, I don't know, they were a very tough team to play against all season long. They weren't able to beat AIC. That's why I think AIC is going to be the team to come out of Atlantic hockey once again this year. But Army, I think, I think Army could be there. I think Army's got the, the Golden Griffins in this one. AIC versus Army, I think finals will be on Saturday. ECAC semis on Thursday, their final will be on Saturday. Colgate versus St. Lawrence, the winner will take on Quinnipiac. And Quinnipiac, they got the coach of the year, so I, I probably could pick the Bobcats. Colgate versus St. Lawrence has just been this weird rivalry this year because St. Lawrence, don't forget, did not play until late December. A lot of the teams in the ECAC, Colgate, Colgate only played a couple games, but Quinnipiac and Clarkson were playing a lot of out of con- or interconference games, so they were fresh going to the ECAC schedule. St. Lawrence wasn't. However, St. Lawrence was able to really turn it around over the last couple of weeks of the season, and all of a sudden they're in the thick of it. 
trying to find their way to see if they can beat Quinnipiac, meet Quinnipiac, at least on Saturday. I think the Bobcats will be the team coming out of the ECAC. And that'll pretty much make it, you know, you wonder who the at-large bids are going to be. And, you know, it's it's hard to not look at Minnesota. Not Minnesota, excuse me. If BC were to lose, I mean, it all depends on who wins the conference tournament and you go down from there, right? Because I, it's going to be tough for a team like Colgate or St. Lawrence to even get a look. Any team that's not, I mean, you're going to have one team from the from the Atlantic Hockey Con, or Atlantic Hockey Association, excuse me, and it'll be the winner. Even if AIC loses, you know, in the in the final, it'll be the champion. It'll be the winner of the game. It'll be the winner of the Atlantic Hockey Championship. That'll make it. It won't be AIC. So I think that's gonna be the same thing with the ECAC. Unless I don't know about how the Bob, if the, where the Bobcats would fit in. I guess that's probably the one big question I would have. If the Bobcats were to somehow lose on Saturday to Colgate or St. Lawrence, would they be a team that would get an auto bid? I don't know if they've had a good enough year. I just think this year with the ECAC only having four teams, it's sounding like that people have given, they, I don't say given them the shaft, but it just makes it tougher to say, well, you're going to have two of your four teams in the tournament. That, I think, is going to be the tough part right there for a sell. If if you had the normal year where you have Cornell and Dartmouth and Princeton and Union, of course, if maybe if that were the case, it would be a little bit different. It's just I don't think this is going to be the year to happen. I'm really bummed, though, that Robert Morris fell out of the Atlantic hockey because Robert Morris this year just seemed like, you know, they have Randy Hernandez, who's one of the most underrated rookies this year, underrated freshman in the country. And I thought they were going to be a team that was going to make some hay, just unfortunately bottomed out during the tournament. So, like I said, a lot of college hockey we played. We're going to do our massive tournament preview next week because we had a lot to talk about. We'll also have our NWHL Isabel Cup semifinals and finals preview next week as well because next Friday and Saturday, children, the NWHL champion will be crowned on Saturday, at least. And I'm excited for that one, guys, because that'll be really fun to watch because Toronto, Connecticut, Boston, Minnesota, I'll determine who is the 2021 Isabel Cup champions. We're trying to get a couple guests for that show. One that I can't say. We may have had her on before. And that pretty much just gave it away. But regardless, hopefully we can get her on the show. So, some news and notes from today. Now, truth be told, I really don't have to go full scale. I don't really have to do the full, like, two hours now. I Technically, at this point, I'd have a little over one hour left in the show. I may not have to do it, though, today. We're going to have to wait and see. Anyways, I, man, this is just like a normal podcast now. I don't know. I can just coast myself if I want to. News and notes, though, from the past week that was. Kings and Blues tonight was postponed. And St. Louis and Los Angeles, I mean. Now, the reason why, because Los Angeles played a couple of games against the Avalanche over the last couple of days. And then this thing called Snow hit the West, and it hit it hard. Heavy amounts of snow. Los Angeles couldn't even fly out. Now, if then again, if you've ever been to Denver International Airport, Aurora, Colorado is closer to the International Airport than Denver is. You can see on, in a clear day, you can see Denver from the airport, but that does not mean it's close. Not at all. It's about 30 to 40 minute drive if you drive fast enough. But that's tough because so LA can't leave Denver. That game will be postponed. I think it's only the, I think it's the second time this year due to weather that we've had to postpone games actually third time because Dallas had to postpone two of their games due to weather 
I think the biggest news in terms of injuries is the fact that Jack Eichel is out for the foreseeable future. There has been, it's, I, I don't think it's been disclosed yet, but they're saying upper body. And man, I, boy, it's, it's, it's already been a tough enough year in the National Hockey League for the Buffalo Sabres. Let's try and check, see if anyone's cleared waivers from today. No, they have not. They haven't announced it at least. Hmm. Today is the 15th. Yeah. So hold on. But I saw the news yesterday. There's so much news. I'm confused now. Hold on. We'll get to the waiver wire in a second. Sorry. I tried to look it up here quickly. But Jack Eichel, the star player, uncontested, no argument necessary, best player on the Buffalo Sabres. If the team isn't bad enough, could you imagine how bad it is without Jack Eichel? And here's the worst part about it. I don't even know what to say about the Buffalo Sabres. We had Jordan Deshane on from the Hockey Writers before the season. We're thinking to ourselves, man, this is it. Buffalo is going to be competitive. I know it's a tough East division, but hey, they'll be four or five, maybe six, but they'll be in the thick of it in the playoff hunt. They're not even close. New Jersey is closer than the Buffalo Sabres. The Devils, who... I said, on this show, are going to be Detroit Red Wings bad. And what we have learned is, that's not the case at all. Heck, the Devils were a botched offsides call away from, or the the Devils were one reverse goal goal call away from beating the New York Islanders, who are on a nine-game win streak now. Holy cats! Malcolm Subban was going to look, Malcolm Subban, Malcolm Subban, the one that actually seems relevant these days. P.K. Subban scores the game-winning goal, then it gets waved off because, you know, they reviewed it and said, ah, he's offsides, and uh, Jack Hughes may have been offsides, I'm not sure. But regardless, Devils came that close. The Sabres are worse than that. They are worse. They're arguably the worst team in the league. I don't even know how close it can be. Like, Ottawa could probably smoke the Buffalo Sabres. The Wings could probably beat the Buffalo Sabres. The Buffalo Sabres are going to get the first overall pick this year. And guess who they're going to get? Brant Clark. And you know what Brant Clark's going to do? Probably as much as he can. Okay, here's my hair. Ready for this, guys? As I do my little bob and weave thing here behind behind the microphone here. Has anyone heard anything from Rasmus Dahlin lately? I'm just saying, the kid's really good. He's a fantastic hockey player. But to that token, like that team, that that pro, that that whole franchise needs to be burned to the ground. Like people are like, oh, you got to fire Ralph Kruger. Oh man, it's the GM. What is he supposed to do? There's something just like in that room, like in that air inside the KeyBank Center that just makes players, good players, bad. Or just the team dynamic, awful. Eichel is still one of the most talented players in the game. Taylor Hall, despite tripping over the blue line last week, is still a capable hockey player. Eric Stahl was one of the leading scorers on the Minnesota Wild last season. A team that's in the playoff hunt in the West. Bart Neer was one of the division leaders at one point, or close to it. Carter Hutton and Lanus Allmark are like, what do you want us to do? 
We're getting hung out to dry back here. We don't know what we're doing. A little bit of help would be nice. They're literally trying to figure out what to do, but there's nothing, like nothing is going right for the Buffalo Sabres. Absolutely nothing. The only thing that would help the Buffalo Sabres right now would be a massive snowstorm that would cancel three games and maybe, just maybe, find a way for Ralph Kruger to look back at his coaching methods and think this is not working out at all. We need to try something different because I just don't understand what makes this team so bad for so long. Like, even the Coyotes, the... 0304 Coyotes, the pre-Mike Smith Coyotes, would at least be a little competitive at some point. I mean, the Carolina Hurricanes made it to the playoffs with Ron Francis, Archers Urbe, and what, Bates Potato? I'm trying to think of the 99 team that lost to Boston in the first round. That team. Like, that team was able to make the playoffs. How hard is it? In the cap era, which is supposed to create parity, which is supposed to make teams better, Buffalo can't even turn it around in the cap era. The Leafs had a rebuild that lasted a grand total of like 18 months. They trade Phaneuf. They trade Reimer. They traded Kessel before that. They stink. They finished last. They're in the playoffs the next season. The Coyotes... 2012, they make it to the playoffs. All right, they make it all the way to the conference finals. A couple years of mediocrity, a few years of mediocrity, a few years of mediocrity. But then all of a sudden, here they come back in the playoffs. They're in the playoff picture. Despite having a complete and utter crappy owner and crappy management staff from top to bottom, their general manager is a jerk and their vice president's a turd and they don't want to pay anybody. They decided to take people to court because they don't want to pay for napkins or whatever the heck the stinking mindset is there down in the desert. Maybe the heat's getting to them. I don't know. But they're a bunch of turduckins. That's all I can say about the Coyotes. Coyote staff. Poor players. Those guys have to work their butts off to try to get paid money. Have to take it to the league to get paid money. That's how bad it is over there. Regardless, they are able to show that they can turn things around. The last time they made the playoffs was 2011. It's the longest active streak of the inability to make the playoffs. K. But how can you be so bad for so long in an era that is supposed to help teams get better, in an era that's supposed to help teams be more competitive more frequently? Let's just remember this, guys. The New Jersey Devils make it to the Stanley Cup Finals in 2012, okay? An incredible feat. Shouldn't have done it, probably. I mean, they... Henrik Lundqvist tried everything he could, but couldn't stop the Devils. They make it there. All of a sudden, and they fall off the cliff. 2018 comes around. Taylor Hall has a heart-caliber season. They make the playoffs. Get knocked out, though, by Tampa, because Tampa was world eaters that year, even though they ended up losing to Washington in the conference finals. But my point is this. It's the fact that even... When teams are bad, they find a way to sneak into the playoffs now and again. Buffalo hasn't even been close. 18 November of 2018 was the closest that team has ever been to the playoffs. Seriously, since Ryan Miller was traded, it's the closest they've ever been. It's embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. Every single year, you try to find something different, try to find a different excuse, try to find a different reason. It's the same thing every year. Poor goaltending. No depth, poor coaching. It's 
It's just over and over again. The same thing happens every single year. Buffalo is awful. And now the fact that Jack Eichel's out, everyone's like, oh my gosh, what's this going to mean for the Sabres? They were going to suck with him regardless. They were not going to win with him. They were definitely going to lose with him. That team had no chance of winning with or without Jack Eichel. Eichel can put up three points in a game. Guess what? 6-4-0, 6-4 loss. Carter Hutton allows a three give three gimmies or whatever. I mean, there's, there's nothing that's going to save this team with this current regime, the current staff. The cur- and I'm not going to point say Kevin Adams needs to do a better job. What's Kevin Adams supposed to do? He tried. He got Taylor Hall. He got Eric Stahl. But here we are. Jeff Skinner. Healthy scratch. Taylor Hall tripping over blue lines. Eric Stahl looking at everything like, this team sucks. No, yes, hon. My wife's asked me if I'm, yes, hon, I'm okay. I'm just saying what Eric Stahl is probably thinking in his head. So, regardless, I, I honestly don't know what to think about this team anymore. I Listen, I'm a Leafs fan. I want Buffalo to do well. That's a proud fan base down there. And they're getting nothing in return. Nothing. So, we're just going to have to wait and see what Buffalo does. They'll probably go on a six-game losing streak, and I'm not going to even bat an eyelash over it. So, regardless of that, Anders Lee placed on LTIR with the Islanders. That's a little bit tough, but they were still able to win without him. There's apparently some issues with COVID, I guess, is the word that I'm hearing out of that. And a couple of moves out of... The, sorry, I scratched my head here. Oh, that feels good. Scratch the head a little bit. David Backus and Jack Johnson both put on waivers. I didn't remember. I didn't remember that David Backus was on the Anaheim Ducks and Jack Johnson on the Rangers. Uh, I forgot about that too. <laughs> Those are just talking about guys that are completely irrelevant these days. That you know, about what five or six years ago they were hot commodities of free agent. Man, 2016 was such a simpler time back when the Leafs were not good, so the tickets were cheap. You could. Sit behind the or sit behind the leaf snap for about a hundred bucks. Now it's like a hundred bucks. You got standing room only there in the corner. Probably about where the fact that Joe Bowen's got a better seat than or got a lower seat than you do. That's how the tickets are nowadays at the Scotiabank Arena. But regardless, so obviously there's that. We had a couple of pretty good goaltending performances this weekend. Talking about Thatcher Demko who. Was able to goalie the Leafs a couple weeks or a little over a week ago now. Had a really good game, and they were able to shut down the Edmonton Oilers. I don't know, maybe just somehow the Leafs, whatever the Leafs had against Edmonton, they went to Vancouver and left it there with them, and then Leafs got out of town, and the Canucks play the Oilers now, and even though despite the Canucks losing to Montreal, they somehow beat Edmonton. 2-1 win. Tyler Myers with the game-winning goal, an absolute snipe, but Thatcher Demko. Another great game out of Demers. Demko's been hot lately. Demko's been a really good goaltender, and I know I've harped on him before, and he really didn't have the best start to the season either, so there was that that was going against him, but the last couple of games he's played, I mean, at least at the moment, he's the hot goaltender. He's certainly 1A right now in Vancouver over Holtby, so obviously if he can keep that up, that's going to be good for Vancouver. How about Joey Decord, though, yesterday? Did you guys watch that game last night? Ottawa versus Toronto. I watched it, reluctantly, at one point of the game, but Joey Decord getting his first National Hockey League win. Wasn't his first start, though. I believe it was his second or third game with the Sens. Decord, by the way, 
which en français is okay. So the nickname we're going to go with is Joey Okay. I wonder what his middle name is. If his middle name starts with an S, it's Joey S. Okay. That's awesome. Joey is okay. Joey's okay. But Joey Decord played really well last night. Had to make a couple of saves late. The Leafs actually brought it within one. They were down 4-1 at one point going late into regulation. Brought it within 4-3. But Decord throughout the game had to make some big stops. Had a little bit of jitters early. But here's the kicker about all this. Matt Murray was supposed to start last night for the Ottawa Senators. Had something nagging. Went in warm-ups for a couple minutes and looked over at Joey and said, nope, you're starting tonight. Got off the ice. Decord gets a start. A little bit shaky early on, but was able to settle down and ended up having a really good game. Picks up the win. Has an amazing, an outstanding post-game interview with Kyle Bukoskis. Because, first of all, if I'm not mistaken, he's, I think he's the first real... Guy, you know, gra- you know, graduate from the Arizona State hockey program that's had a good showing. I mean, yeah, we're going to see what Johnny Walker can do. And, you know, there's there's that coming out of Arizona State. But the Sun Devils haven't really had any great players come out of their program yet. Obviously, they're not, you know, they're very, they're very young. They're the latest program to come up to Division One. Uh, well, Long Island. But before Long Island, they were the new kids on the block was Arizona State. But Joey Decord plays really well, and it's good to see him. And he had an emotional one where he thanked his family, thanked uh, the program of Arizona State, thanked his coaches. And it was the most, like, wholesome thing. And Sunday's usually typically for hometown hockey. And it was a very hometown moment for Joey Decord to, you know, out of all the things that are going on, talking about the game and all the emotions he probably feel, and takes the time and calmly thanks everyone that helped him get there. That right there, kids, is a showing that a sign that a kid – is ready for the big time because he's got his head on straight, and that's good to see. So I'm really excited to see what he's got in the future for him because I'm really the comparison here. Someone it was a TSN that posted this or Sportsnet that posted this. Joey Decord was drafted 199th overall in his draft year. I forget which year he was drafted. Hold on, let's let's just uh, Joey Decord. I'm pretty sure it's probably the most searched name today. By the way. He was drafted, scroll down, oh, former Muskegon Lumberjack. That's right, 15-16 season, that's right. Oh, yeah, Muskegon Lumberjack kid from, went to North Andover High School in Massachusetts, drafted 199th in the seventh round of the 2015 draft. 2015 draft. There was some other kid drafted in there, uh, some guy named, uh, what's his face, Connor McDavid was drafted that year. Oh, Jack Eichel was as well in the 2015 draft. You haven't heard about him. He only got hurt, but uh, it's really funny because why is it a big deal that he's drafted 199th? Because kids, there was some other famous athlete that was drafted 199th. You ever heard of Tom Brady? Hold on, before you start going nuts, before you start throwing yourself in the wall, I'm like, oh my gosh, Tom Brady, just because he went to Michigan and he's the GOAT, whatever. I'm so sick of hearing about Tom Brady. Listen, hold on. The Ottawa Senators guys are about to have one of the greatest dynasties in modern-day hockey history. Why? Because of Joey Decord. Hold on. History repeats itself, kids. You all know this. It's the famous saying, if it's happened once, it'll happen again. Murphy's Law. If If something bad can happen, something will. And if the Senators become a dynasty, that's bad. Because for those that really know their hockey history... At the beginning of the NHL Stanley Cup era and the Challenge Cup era, these Ottawa Silver Seven, and they became the Ottawa Senators, were one of the most dominant forces in the sport. We don't need that to happen again. 
But that's not the reason why Joey DeCord is going to lead this team. Because for those that remember how Tom Brady became the starting quarterback in New England back in 2001, Drew Bledsoe, week one, tries to run a bootleg over to the right sideline to his right, gets absolutely brained as he comes off, as he runs out of bounds. Concussion. Tom Brady comes in, wins the game, steals the job, and becomes the GOAT. Creates a dynasty. Joey Decord is going to lead the Ottawa Senators to four Stanley Cups in the next 15 years. I don't know, maybe not 15 years. He's going to lead them, though, to the Stanley Cup because history repeats itself, and it's going to happen in hockey, and everyone's going to hate it. You think the Leafs are annoying, kids. How about the Sens? A team that sucks. But Joey Decord, because apparently, I mean, the word is that Joey Decord, you know, the, the Ottawa Senators brass looks at him to be their goaltender of the future. So if he can be the future now, it's kind of scary. And here's the, even the bigger comparison for Decord and Brady. Brady was a very good quarterback at the University of Michigan. Was not highly regarded coming out of college, but he was still really good. Was a starter, won the Orange Bowl over Alabama. He, he had good numbers in his college career. Joey Decord, Arizona State, a pretty good goaltender in his own right. Arizona State wasn't a powerhouse, though, during that time, but he was still pretty good. Wasn't looked at in the highest regards coming out, but hey, you know what? He'll still be good. Now, granted, yes, he was drafted before he even went to Muskegon in the USHL, but he still developed into a pretty solid goaltender in his own right. His numbers over his college career, 920 save percentage his senior year, 21-13-1. That was the year that Arizona State made their first appearance in the NCAA tournament. He was the guy. But once again, was not gold, was not the Mike Richter award winner, was not a guy that was a goaltender of the now granted, it's hard to say goaltender of the year in a conference when you're not part of a conference like Arizona State is. But regardless, the fact of the matter is Joey Decord is the collegiate hockey example of Tom Brady. He's the hockey example of Brady. Good college goaltender. Not the best, but good. Doesn't come in with a lot of high regards coming to the NHL. That's okay. However, when your starter goaltending gets hurt, your starter who is a veteran who is over the hill, Matt Murray, gets injured. Come in, you win the game, you steal the job. Joey Decord's going to win. Ottawa is going to be Stanley Cup champions before you know it, and it's going to suck because you're going to watch the Sens leapfrog the Leafs, and the Sens will have won a Stanley Cup before the Toronto Maple Leafs, and it'll be painful for us. But darn it, won't it make a great story, though? <laughs> oh, man, that's going to be it's going to be tough to watch. No question about it. But you know what? He... This is a kid, too, don't forget, who played in the ECHL quite a bit during the 1920 season last year and had okay numbers, but you wonder, right? You really wonder if he, because I think, let's check out the Ottawa Senators' schedule here. As I pull this up here. And because I didn't look this up, they are, oh, they're playing right now. Well, go figure. They're playing Vancouver right now. Uh, No one in attendance in that game, shockingly enough. Let's get some of the stats here. Pull it up here on NHL.com. Let's see who is starting. Would it be Decor in the back-to-back? Canucks are leading 1-0 in the first period, by the way. However, Ottawa is out shooting the Canucks 14-7 through the first 18, almost 18 minutes. Joey Decord is getting the start tonight for the Senators. Now, who's the backup then? I guess is the big question. The backup is Philip Gustafson, who got called up from Belleville. So, yeah, Joey Decord's going to be a starting goaltender. Um... 
boy, this is going to be a, be quite the roller coaster right up, right? Jeez, <laughs> if if Decor can make this run, I'll be I'll be really impressed. But that's I think it's it's a great story. That's what hockey's all about. It's great stories. And if this kid who never really played a game before, I, I think if I'm not mistaken, let me go back to his stats here. Do 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 do. do. He uh, where is it? He, he was that was his sixth game he had been in with the Ottawa Senators this season. Only his fourth game of decision. He's one and three this year. But it'd be a great story. Now here's the one thing I have to look out of here out from excuse me from Joey Decord. He played in the played high school for Cushing Academy high school prep after playing a little bit in Andover High School. So I wonder, played for Cushing Academy, because they have that new Academy League now in the United States. He also played for the USPHL's Boston Junior Bruins. So all I'm going to say is the fact that the USPHL now, a Tier 3 Junior League here in the United States, is going to go full scale. See? USPHL creates NHLers. That's not the case, guys, okay? This kid was good before he even joined there. Anyways, a couple other things here before we wrap up the show, which at this point really doesn't have a time limit because we are not actually live today, which sucks. But regardless, we're going to go through it anyways. To trade or not to trade is the question of the day. I um, I wonder about this. Because there's a lot of talk this year about whether teams should go after someone at the deadline, try to bolster up their lineup. The problem is, is that it's incredibly tough in the North Division because despite the NHL trying to lobby with the Canadian government to waive the 14-day quarantine or shorten it up a little bit because obviously the Winnipeg Jets missed out a little bit on Pierre-Luc Dubois having to sit in a hotel room for two weeks or sorry, not a hotel room, a house for two weeks. But the fact that he had, they had, to miss, he had to miss that much time really didn't help their case at all. So now I wonder if you are, if you're a Northern, if you're a North Division team, whether you're Toronto and obviously, there's some people are they're clamoring for Michael Hutchinson's head, but he, gosh, Hutchinson has played what? He had a an iffy game against Calgary a couple weeks back. He gives up two on three shots last night. Oh, he's done now. He's no longer your goaltender. Calm down, guys. Calm the f down. It's one bad game. You don't see the Senators trying to trade Matt Murray. Well, then again, they really can't because that contract is stupid. But you know what I'm saying, all right? But if you're an, if you're a North Division team, no one's going to trade within the division right now because, with the exception of Ottawa, unless Ottawa goes on some absolute tear with Joey Decord, they probably won't make the playoffs. But no one's going to be trading really at the deadline within the North Division. And if you are a North Division team, do you want to trade for a player that's going to make your team better, but you're going to have to wait five or six games? That's the big question right now. Because down in the United States, it's a lot easier. I think there's a couple days you have to quarantine if you fly to somewhere. So say L.A. trades Anthony CU to Carolina. I mean, he could drive across country or he can fly, have to sit a couple days. There's probably one game that he has to sit, one or two games. Whereas if, you know, the Leafs or let's just say Ottawa, Ottawa trades for Ricard Raquel who is seeming to be a hot commodity now that the Ducks are starting to fall off in the Western Division. He's going to have to sit on his butt, well, sit his butt out of the lineup at least, for two weeks. It's a pretty tough deal for 
for the Leafs right now or for any team in the North Division because you want to because there's obviously teams have holes. Minnesota or not Minnesota. Edmonton has holes. Winnipeg is really starting to come on strong here. They have Connor Halbuch playing well. Nikolai Ehlers. They have a really deep offensive front. Defense probably could use some bolstering, but like I said, who are you going to get and what do you want to pay? Because I don't think Winnipeg, I don't think Kevin Sheveldayoff and the Jets are willing to do another trade again with an American team until there is some resolution of possibly limiting the, you know, the quarantine when you come into Canada. It's the only thing I can think of. Well, if that gets lifted and say it's only seven days, you maybe see some teams get active here. There's a lot of talk of Nashville being big sellers. We had mentioned that with Nick Alberga, of course, a couple weeks ago of Sportsnet 590, the fan. We talked about how there could be a lot of players that could be taken off. Now, Matthias Ekholm is looking like a hot commodity coming out of there as well with Ryan Ellis being injured. So he could be on the move. The The names that we're hearing that are, I don't say untouchable or just not going to move are Pecorine, A, because he's contract and he's older and possibly Philip Forsberg. But then again, I've heard also that Forsberg could be moved as well. So there's a lot of ifs and buts with that team on who is available, who is not. But the word on the street is that David Poyle is looking to find a way to do something here to make the team better quicker. So he's thinking if we trade now, try to quickly reload and for another run, maybe in a year or two, I think that's what he's going to do. Like I said, the Leafs were able to do their rebuild in 18 months. So there's that. And I think if David Poyle says, well, if we just do that, maybe it's possible. But you have to fight, you have to accept the fact that you're rebuilding first, whereas the Predators have yet to do that. So I, I think the biggest thing here to look at is if you're a team in the States, you have no problem with trading. Like I said, it depends on who you want to get and whatever. You can obviously find the right pieces. We'll probably get into more of the who's going to get traded when we get closer to the deadline, which, like I said, it could be incredibly boring this year especially on the north side of things, the north division side of things. Now, you may see some moves even within the central division or the eastern division because there are there's a much bigger gap in the east, much bigger gap in the central. The only team that's outside of the picture in the central division right now is looking like Dallas, just because Dallas has so many games in hand because they missed so much time at the beginning due to COVID. We talked about that last week. So there's that to be looking for. And then there's the chance that, you know, it's it's looking like Arizona is the only team in the West that could make a late push into a playoff spot. It's seeming like it's going to be St. Louis, or St. Louis, Vegas, Colorado, and Minnesota in the hunt there. It's shaping up to be Florida, Tampa, Chicago, and Carolina, with Carolina now taking the division lead as their winners of their last eight. That's going to be the team to beat in the Central right now. East has got Boston, even though Boston somehow uh, I can't find a way to score in the last couple of games, but Boston seemed like going to be in the thick of it. The Islanders right now and Washington Islanders leading the division right now on their nine game win streak. It's a little bit tighter towards the middle. I don't know if Philly is going to be making moves though. Pittsburgh is seemingly trying to clamp down on that fourth spot, but Philly's in the thick of it there as well. So there's only really a couple divisions outside the North down there that are but uh, like I said, once the drop-off happens, it, it hits hard. Like, Buffalo is not in it. The Rangers are not in it. New Jersey's not in the East. Detroit is out of it. Nashville is out of it in the Central. I'm probably missing another team that's very obvious. I'm trying to do this without looking at my notes. But the West, like I said, the California teams are well out of it. <laughs> Eric Carlson said, I didn't sign on here for a rebuild. And you're going to go for a rebuild. 
I say kid to Eric Carlson because like I'm older than he is. He's a much older than I am. But I'll say this though. I'm about a foot taller than he is. So therefore, listen here, kid. You're going for a rebuild. But no one's going to trade for Eric Carlson either because that's $11.5 million that nobody has right now in a flat cap. And the fact that Eric Carlson is not $11.5 million, Eric Carlson. He's probably worth $4 million, Eric Carlson. So it'd be interesting to see what happens. But you know, regarding the North Division, there's been a lot of chitter chat as of late regarding you know, whether or not people like the North Division. There's a few teams that have been lobbying for the NHL to consider keeping the North Division. Now, Gary Bettman came out at a recent press conference and said, hey, you know, we're going to go back to normal next year. 32 teams, four divisions, international divisions. Pacific will have, you know, the Oilers, the Flames, the Canucks in it. Winnipeg will be back in the Central. The Leafs will be Leafs, Ottawa, Montreal, and the Atlantic. The Metro will be back to normal. Seattle will join the Pacific, Arizona to the Central. Arizona's like, I don't, we don't want to travel. St. Louis is in the West, guys. Kick rocks this year, okay? Just give it up. What are we going to do? Put Seattle in the Central Division? Wasn't going to happen, children. So, regardless. But a lot of people are looking at that North Division just saying how fun it is. It's incredibly fun. On any given night, Twitter can explode. Isn't that great? Isn't that fun? Every single time, Canadian markets go every night, just lose their minds over a game. Ottawa can win this game in Vancouver, who had been riding high after beating the Oilers, beating the Leafs. Yeah, the game against Montreal, whatever, but they can definitely fall. They could win those couple games, and all of a sudden, lose to Vancouver, or lose to Ottawa tonight, and social media explodes. James Sabalski says Vancouver is probably the worst social media. I don't know, because Leafs Twitter right now is in a little bit of a funk because they're on a losing streak. They lost to Ottawa. They lost to Winnipeg. That's two. They lost, so they lost three out of the last four games. Actually, they have lost five of their last six. Lost both to Vancouver and lost two of the three to Winnipeg. Yeah, that's five out of six. They've lost five of their last six games and they don't play till Friday. God bless it. They can probably figure some things out. Because, boy, they are not looking good, but people are losing their minds. We got to trade this guy for this guy. This guy's got to go. This guy's got to say, why did we trade Mika Lettinen? I don't know. Who's this goaltender? Is he good? No, he's an AHL goaltender. Well, we need another goaltender. Jack Campbell's still hurt, but Jack Campbell can get healthy by Friday. Well, we got to get rid of Hutchinson, but Hutchinson's actually pretty good. I don't know. It's chaos, which makes it fun, which means money. When you allow fans start to get back into the building, people will start paying dollars and cents that they never thought they'd pay before because why? I want to see Connor McDavid get throttled tonight. I want to see Austin Matthews get just absolutely destroyed by the Vancouver Canucks. I want to see Tyler Toffoli torch Vancouver like it's a barbecue steak in the 17th century. I don't know. That made no sense to me. But regardless, people want to see it. Now, the big, now obviously the problem with that, and probably why it will not happen, is because people in the Canadian markets, they want to see Crosby. They want to see. Ovechkin. They want to see McKinnon. They want to see the they want to see the Vegas Gold Knights in their stupid white gloves. They want to see that. That's why I think it won't happen. And teams in the states, you know, teams that have fan bases that pay attention to hockey outside of their own teams, they want to see McDavid. They want to see Matthews. I think some people want to see the Vancouver Canucks. I don't know how many, but some probably do. Also, because don't you want to have Vancouver and Seattle as a rivalry? The battle of the blue and green. 
Come on, we want that. That's what we all want. That's what we said when Seattle was going to become a team. Like, perfect. It's a rivalry. Battle of the 21st parallel right there. Now, granted, that's Vancouver, Washington. But regardless, it probably won't happen. But it'll be interesting, though. It's literally the epitome of the Team North America concept from the World Cup of Hockey back in 2016. It'll never happen again. But damn, wasn't it fun to watch those kids play good hockey. And with that, I think, you know, I was going to do the what to watch for this week, but obviously so many games that are over with by now. But regardless, at least a few people retweeted the thing that we had to kill the stream tonight. Like I said, if you're watching this, then, well, then you obviously know that we had to kill the live stream, but that's okay. We're going to go off the air here, here on the Kula Show tonight. Here on this Monday, March the 15th, we recorded this. Got most of it. Well, we only got like an hour of it in live. Like I said, make sure you go back. If you're watching this, you can go back and watch the interview or listen to the interview with Gabriella Fondero uh, from the Ice Garden, SB Nation's Ice Garden, talking about the women's hockey tournament. Semifinals will wrap up, or quarterfinals will wrap up on Tuesday. So tomorrow, if you're listening, you're watching this. So, Or in this case, if you're watching the replay or listening, that means today, Thursday on ESPN3 and ESPNU, the two semifinals, ESPNU on Saturday the 20th, the championship game to determine who is the best team in women's college hockey. Obviously, the men's will be later on, but we'll get to that here on TKS. So thank you all very much for dealing with us today, listening and watching here on the Kula Show. Thank you very much once again. We will see you next time, hopefully with, you know, live all the way through. Or, I mean, like I said, you're on the replay, so you're like, I don't care if it's live. I still listen to it anyways. Regardless, I don't care. I like to be live because then I can be like breaking news and stuff. I can be like reacting to everything and be like, oh my gosh, did you see that play between Michigan and Minnesota, which is going to start here in about half an hour from the time I'm done recording this. And of course, there's always live hockey we like to have here in the studio and it's fun. Hopefully we fix it before next week. We'll just have to wait and see. I'll have to probably do some heavy ass testing this week as well. So regardless, that is it for here on the Kewl Show. We'll see you all next week with hopefully less issues. But then again, we always have issues here on the Kewl Show. That's how we run things. I'm Tyler Kewl, the Insider of the Insiders, saying see you next time here on the Kewl Show.